Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Or if I were reading the ESV, it would say the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. Father, we want to give you thanks for your presence uh, with us. And Lord, that's what defines the church. It's not so much the numbers of people that gather. It's not even to do with the diversity of people that gather. It's the presence of God. That's what defines the church, that you dwell in the midst of us. And we thank you that you're here. And Father, I pray that you will speak, that for some of us, this word will be a word that encourages. For some, I pray, it will be a word that corrects. And for others, it may be a word that challenges. But whatever, I pray that your word will not return to you empty. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're just looking at these few uh, verses over the next few weeks. I'm looking at those few verses today. Just a very small background. Who was John? Who was John? I could ask that, but we're, it's not a classroom, so I'll just tell you <laughs> who was John. Um, John is described as he's one of the disciples, one of the twelve Um, So one of those that was closely connected to Jesus. In fact, you could argue that on the earth, he was Jesus' best friend. He is the one that the Bible describes, that he describes himself in his own uh, gospel as the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, I imagine for the other disciples, when they read his book, they must have thought, don't actually think he is. How can he say that? The disciple, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. So (laughs) that would have led to all sorts of discussions, which is why I think he and Peter, they were friends, but they weren't friends. Um, But he was Jesus' closest friend on earth. And if you read the four Gospels, you will see why. Yeah, His Gospel is different that they all came from the same source, the same source Held, led those people to write in those gospels. Matthew was a disciple. Uh, Luke actually wasn't one of the disciples. He was a doctor but wanting to give an account. And Mark, John Mark, is supposed to have been writing, if you like, the, the gospel of Peter. That, that's where he gets a lot of his story from. But, but those gospels are similar. You read John's gospel, it's very different. In John's gospel, you get, oh, this guy tells us things about Jesus that no one else tells us. And he doesn't just tell us facts, he tells us some intimate things about Jesus that are not in any of the other Gospels. It's in this Gospel that you get the phrase, Jesus wept at the death of his friend Lazarus. And it's also in this Gospel that you get this this declaration in John chapter 1 of who Jesus is. So John is a disciple, it's a much more intimate portrayal of who Jesus is than the other Gospels. And it's really interesting that that in John's Gospel, 
It's very powerful because he has an absolute conviction about who Jesus was and how he wanted to communicate that to people. And yet he was his closest friend. He was his closest friend. And as his closest friend, he's the one that goes, do you know what? More than anything else, this man was God. If you think about that, if you think about your close friends, they know you. Yeah, Pauline's my closest friend. And what that means is when I nod off in front of the telly, she sees that. She sees the things that you don't see. John saw the things about Jesus that most of us don't see. And he still came to this conclusion. He's it. He is the man. So when you read those first five verses that we looked at, what does it tell us? about God because it tells us things about God every all of the Bible tells us something about God just in those first few verses you could build a whole theology based in fact we have built whole theologies on those first five verses what they tell us is that Jesus is God there aren't many places in the Bible that are explicit but this is explicit Jesus is God And that he is the word. And it's not just that he's the word, the spoken word. He's the living word. That God came in the form of a person. It's the summation of the whole gospel that Jesus is the word. In the beginning. John is very deliberate. In the beginning, where else is that? Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Do you know what? I don't know what the version now says, but years ago when I used to talk to Jehovah Witnesses about that, their version of the Bible said this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was a God. Yeah? They added that word, because it, it just helped to go, no, Jesus isn't the only God, there were other. No, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. Secondly, it tells us, That God is more than just one identity. You have the Father, God the Father, that we read about. But also here it speaks of God the Son. That Jesus is distinct. That the Word was with God, but the Word was God. So there's a distinction there between the two words. He's distinct from the Father. And later in this very book you read about the Holy Spirit as coming. That there's that the third person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It tells us that Jesus was the creator God. So he wasn't just the one who came as a baby in a manger and died on a cross. Jesus was there when the world was created. I need my Bible again because I keep meaning to look at the passage and I haven't got it. So I'm sorry about that. So John 1. Uh, No, I'll be fine. (laughs) I'll get over it. So, and and, he's the creator God. It says here, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus was the creator God. He wasn't just the God who came at the end of the story. He was the God who was there at the beginning of the story. He was the one through whom creation came about. He's God. He's part of the triune God, the three-in-one God. He's the creator God. Jesus is also life. He's life. It tells us in verse 4, in him was life. You have life, it comes from Jesus. 
He was life. And that life was the light of men. All life exists in and through him. I mean, Jesus later in the same book talks about, I'll give you life and life to the full. But he gives you life anyway. And then it speaks of him as light. Yeah. So John says, look, this man is the light. He is the light. Jesus is the light of the world. Again, later it tells us. In this passage and the rest of these verses, but in these first five verses of John, this is why we believe, this is one of the main reasons that we believe Jesus is God. Because John explicitly says he's the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was there at the beginning when creation, in fact, creation happened through him. He's the one who gives life. He's the light of the world. He tells us something about Jesus. It's one of our clearest arguments for the deity. If you don't believe in the deity of Christ, you've got to deal with John 1. When people tell you, oh, yeah, no, Jesus wasn't, you know, you've got to go, you need to ask them, can you explain, can you help me understand John 1 then? Because John 1 seems to suggest that Jesus is more than what you're telling me. And then you can go, and can you also explain to me Colossians 1? Because that's a different author saying the same thing. So you need to understand that we don't believe what we believe out of tradition. John was his best friend, and his best friend said, do you know what, this is who he is. So it tells us something about God, and you could, you could talk about that forever, and if you're a big theologian, you could look at that forever and a day. Yeah? But it also tells us something about us. And verse 5 in particular, well, 4 and 5, but 5 in particular tells us something about us. It says, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. In that passage, we are the darkness. We are in the dark. We are not in the light. We are those that are in the dark. We live in the dark. We were born into the dark. And why is that? Because obviously right at the beginning, uh, when sin entered the world, if you like, the world goes dark. People's eyes to see are closed. They become blind to who God is. What I've just said, they become blind to it. We are blind to it. And it uses, in, in different versions of the Bible, it uses two words to describe it. I'm not going to try and understand the Greek, but it is interesting the two words it uses. It talks about the darkness has not understood it. They've not understood the light, the light which is Jesus. And also, the darkness has not overcome it. That there's not been able to, to, to win through, that the, that the light still shines even in the darkness. And I was just thinking about that. Those two words, overcome and understood. And sometimes when you get in the Bible, you might go, well, you know, there are two words. I prefer this word. It seems to say whatever. Or it doesn't mean that or this. Do you know what? I think both of these apply. I think both words apply. And I've said before, my old pastor used to talk about divine ambiguities. When things seem to be unclear, they're both probably right. Yeah, that's a really good way of trying to get through things that you don't understand. But, but if you think about these two words, the darkness has not overcome. When it comes to Jesus, 
There are people who are resistant to him. There are people who fight the truth. Yeah, What I've just said, what I've read in, in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, in this context I read it, and no one kind of bats an eyelid. Some of you might be thinking, oh, okay, yeah, he's sort of emphasised that or that. For some people, in their hearts, they'll be saying, no, that is not true. I will not accept that. That is not true. People are resistant to the gospel. They're resistant to the truth. No, I'm going to even change it. I'm going to make it say something else because I cannot accept that Jesus is the light of the world. I can preach that here and some of you, oh yeah, yeah. I preach that somewhere else and people are going to throw things at me. And I wouldn't need to go very far from here. I could preach this somewhere else and people people would not be very happy. Because the darkness has not been able to overcome. It's not been able to resist to the full extent the truth about Jesus. There is a battle that goes on for who Jesus is. There's a battle. But from that day to this day, the darkness has not overcome it. Has not been able to win through. Secondly, though, the darkness sometimes has rejected the truth about Jesus because it has not understood it. Sometimes people are resistant, they're fighting it. Other times they don't understand it. In effect, they don't believe it. This was the main issue for the Jews of that day. It wasn't that they were always fighting against Jesus because they believed in a Messiah, but they did not understand that he was the Messiah. They did not get that that's why he had come. That that was his purpose. And John makes it really clear that he believed this is why Jesus came. But some people don't understand it. There is a lack of belief. I I, I don't believe it's Jesus. Or I certainly don't believe it can only be Jesus. Maybe it is Jesus, but maybe it's all these other people as well. The truth is, though, you don't need to look very deeply to realise No one else who's ever lived has ever claimed what Jesus claimed. Other faiths don't, there's not a Jesus in the faith. There's not someone who says, I'm the light of the world. There's not someone who says, I'm the bread of life. I am the way. No no one else makes those claims and can at least stand the test of time. Other people make those claims and you go, really? But Jesus makes claims And he did in those days, and people didn't understand what he said. They didn't believe him, and we know, ultimately, the Jews in that day, they killed him. But we probably would have killed him, because we wouldn't have understood what he was talking about or who he was. That's what it tells us. So you've got these two different versions of the Bible... But they, or two different sort of words to describe it, but they both apply. People don't, people are resistant to him and people don't believe in him. And we live in a world where both of those things apply. The darkness has not understood it. The darkness has not overcome it. So how do we respond to that? Because in effect, we live in that period of the darkness. Are we resistant to him? Do we not believe him? Because the the truth will be that many people will go to church, but they'll still be resistant to Jesus. 
because the passage is too strong. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made. That's a pretty strong statement to make about someone. And if you think about that, your faith can be tested on that alone. Through him, all things were made. So does that mean, what about all those things that go wrong? What do you mean through him, all things were made? Without him, nothing was made. He is life. What do you mean by that? The reason we ask the question, what do you mean by that, is because it gets tested. The more you push that truth, the more testing it becomes. Really? Through Jesus? You're saying everything was made through Jesus? How can that be? Surely surely he made all the good things. No, everything. Through him, all things were made. All those things that ended up evil, he was involved in creation. He was involved. All those people that appear to us to personify evil, Jesus made them. So how do we respond to this reality? How do we respond to it? First of all, difficult as it is, to acknowledge and accept the truth about Jesus. Do you acknowledge and accept the truth about Jesus? And at Christmas, do you acknowledge and accept the truth about Jesus? The truth is this. There is a massive gap between what the Bible tells me about Jesus and my reality. So over here, I believe what the Bible says about Jesus, that everything was made through him, that he's the light of the world, that he's the incarnate son of God. I believe all of that. And I come to church on a Sunday and I believe all of those things about Jesus, that he was truly the son of God. He came down from heaven. I believe it. But over here is the world in which I live, which puts Jesus alongside Father Christmas and Olaf from Frozen as like of a fairy tale, as a story, as a myth. So it's very hard to believe that that's true in a world which says, well, here's a card, and on this card, you can have a character from Frozen, Father Christmas, and a baby in a manger. Which one do you want? It's very hard in a world that lives like that to go, oh no, but I, I believe this about Jesus. Because some people would say to you, sorry, can you just tell me that again? Oh no, I actually believe that Jesus is a real person, that, that God sent him the, the story about Mary. Oh, do people still, I didn't know people believe that anymore. We live in a world that people would question that truth. Yeah? And so the further you get away from that truth, where people are resistant, they don't believe it, the harder it is to really hold on to it, to really hold on to that belief about Jesus when everything else tells me, oh no, there's another way that, you know, actually that's not true anymore. No one believes that anymore. What we believe is that Christmas is a time of celebration. And da, 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 da. So do you know what we do? I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it. I would like to do it. Can I do it? You're not going to help me. I'll help you. help me. Okay, so we're going to try and illustrate this. Oh no, we need to be much longer, my love. We need to be longer. My love's going to get to. My love is my assistant, so we just well done, my love. Um, so what we're doing is I'm trying to illustrate this point. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna use some string, and I'm using my love's handbag, 
Um, this is a different bag to normal. Um, it's the brown one. Um, there's normally a green one. Okay. The green's the work one, okay. So we've got the brown one, which must be the weekend bag. Um, uh, even then, my love, you don't have as many bags as our wonderful daughter, beautiful daughter Daisy, who has more bags than uh, I have shoes. Okay. So, let me see if I can get this right. I'm trying to illustrate this point that the gap between what I would say I believe about Jesus, the Son of God, uh, the one who came, to the world in which I live, which, which puts Jesus at best as a fairy tale. Yeah? So that, do we accept that, that that's how the world is? And so I walk out of church and I'll go into a shop and there'll be frozen Christmas cards and, and you won't even get many Christmas cards with the nativity scene. Yeah, they're not even there anymore. Yeah, but if you can find them, even then you still think, "Oh right, no, I'll give the Father Christmas card this year. Oh no, I'll give the Nativity one." You kind of get that kind of view. It's not that Jesus, no one thinks about it, but but you got this view. It makes it very hard to believe that's true. So what happens is in the church, because because the only way I can really believe that's true is faith. Nothing else helps me to believe that that's true. Yeah? Doesn't matter what size church I go to, where, you know, but I saw thousands of people worshiping God, it must be true. No, doesn't matter about the size of the church. The only thing that helps me believe what I believe about God, or John 1, 1 to 5, is faith. Yeah? And faith is, is believing something that I cannot see. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that He did die on the cross. I believe that He was sent. I don't believe that He's a mythical figure. Yeah? But when faith gets tested, what happens is you then get this middle bit, which is what I would call where we, we have to create another kind of theology to help me accept Jesus. So, so an example of what I'm talking about is Christmas. Christmas is um, when we celebrate the coming of Jesus. And all those things that we said, the reason we're going through John 1 is because of Jesus, what we believe about Jesus. Yeah? And over here is what the world believes about Jesus, which is no- nothing like it. Yeah? So what we do is we create this thing in the middle that says Christmas, Christmas is about Jesus, but it's also about family, food, fun and stuff. It's about coming together, community, blah, 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 all that kind of thing. Now, the Bible, Christmas is about Jesus. Yeah? It's not about those things. It's about Jesus. And it's about that story, and it's the time that we remember that story. But, but the world says Jesus isn't even there. It doesn't really matter. The church then goes, well, I, I don't want to ignore Jesus, so I need Jesus in the story. Um, but I, and I can't, I can't even go to the myth thing. So, so Jesus, Christmas becomes about something else. It becomes about all these good things in the middle. And the danger is, not that those good things aren't, shouldn't be there, because, because I had to really work my brain on this this morning, because I thought, I can't say Christmas isn't about food, because I love food at Christmas. Yeah? Because that would be ridiculous. How do I say that? Christmas isn't about food. Uh, because there is a part of me where Christmas is... It, I love Christmas food. Yeah? But my faith, 
my faith can't be about the food. So when it comes to Christmas, it's not that you can't do all the things that Christmas does, but you do need to know where your faith really rests. And how do you know where your faith rests? Because you can't simply know where your faith rests because at Christmas you go to church. Yeah? You only really know your faith, where your faith rests is when you hit the storm. It's the only way of really knowing what your faith is in. Is my faith intact on Jesus? Or has my faith genuinely moved to the fun food and all that kind of stuff? Yeah? It's a bit like saying, you can play football without football being an idol. Yeah? When you realise football isn't everything, it doesn't mean you say, right, okay, I'm never going to play football again, right, never, ever, ever. And you're going, oh my goodness, how am I going to... No, you can play football, but football doesn't need to be an idol. It doesn't need to be the thing. You can celebrate Christmas without it being the thing. But how do you know for you that Christmas isn't the thing? When the storm comes. When something happens. So here we have my love's bag. Some of you can see it, some of you can't. In the bag, we have a purse, which represents, like, if you like, our possessions, yeah, our material wealth. In the bag, we have a phone, which can represent, it's not quite this, but our relationships. We've got names and numbers and people, WhatsApp groups and stuff. All the people, stuff, life. In the bag is uh, um, oh, some keys. Oh, that, yeah, actually, so we're doing Frozen, for real. And the keys, the keys kind of represent our, you know, the responsibilities that we have and the things that we have, yeah. And you can have all of those things in the bag, yeah, and your faith. And there are two responses when the storm comes. When the storm comes and the bag gets knocked, sorry, my love, kicking your bag, I wouldn't kick another bag. What we discover is we've got two pieces of string. My love, I need you to go to the other end. We're going to pull the string. The moment. Well, this isn't a comedy show, so don't worry too much. My faith is weak. With one piece of string, with or without the bag, it's intact. Yeah? It's not very wide, is it? It's a very small piece of string, but this string represents faith. It connects my belief about God with the world in which I live, this piece of string. It connects it. And I know because when the storm comes and all those human things, Christmas, gets pushed off, this is still strong. Yeah, It's not long. It's 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 a thin piece of string. It's not even the strongest string but it's strong enough to connect me to God, yeah? And to connect what I believe about God with the world in which I live. Faith is the only thing that does it. The other piece of string, when we took off the bag, we discovered that they weren't connected. That I live in a world where I haven't really based it on God, even though I might have said I did even though I might have gone to church. In reality, I'm out here now, and when all of that stuff was thrown, I was thrown. Yeah? The storm is how you test. Thank you, my love. My wonderful assistant. I'll give you back your string in the bag. 
The storm is the best way of testing whether or not my faith is real. And by the storm, I mean the trauma, the tragedy, the tricky situation, the career idea. The things that don't go well for me are the way that I can test, is this based on something real? Do I still believe? Or have I, have I found some other kind of belief in the middle that I base things on? You need to know where you stand. And at Christmas in particular, you need to know where you stand. You can do all the Christmas stuff, because I had to get that in, because I will do all the Christmas stuff. But I needed to know that it's not based on Christmas. It's not based on the presents. It's not based on the fun. It's not based on the food. It's not based on the family. It's not even based on all the good works that people like to do at Christmas. That is not it. Because when those things go, it's the parable of the, of, of the, the house built on the sand. When the storm comes, the house built on the sand collapses, the house built on the rock stands. That's how you know. That's how you know. And so I want us to go into this Christmas season, simply Christmas, to recognise that simply Christmas is all about Jesus. But your faith upon which you build Jesus is not always seen, but it is always there. It's not always, not, people can't always see it. But you know, because you know, God, you know, God, if you took this away, it will be okay. And some of us might need to examine ourselves around Christmas. Some of us might need to examine ourselves around other stuff. If God took away the career path I thought I was on, how would I respond? If God took away all the thoughts that I had, all the hopes and dreams that I had, how would I respond? This is what C.H. Spurgeon says. And, and, and with this, I've nearly finished. If we trust to ourselves for our holding on, we shall not hold on. If we trust to ourselves for our holding on, we shall not hold on. Even though we rest in Jesus for a part of our salvation, we shall fail if we trust to self for anything. No chain is stronger than the weakest link. If Jesus be our hope for everything except one thing, we shall utterly fail. Because in that one point, we shall come to naught. So what he's saying there is you cannot trust God and other stuff. You can't think to yourself, yeah, I do trust God, um, and, uh, but all oh, this, this interim idea that helps me connect God, I also trust in this. Now, in the end, if you trust God, you can hold on. If you don't trust God, you don't trust God. It's really quite simple. If you hold on to God, if you hold on to the truth. And for some of us as Christians, this is what we do. We trust God for the being saved, you know, because I recognise I can't save myself, so I trust God for my salvation. And you know what? I also trust God for the supernatural things like healing, yeah, and other people being saved. I trust God for that. But for my marriage, for my career, for my friends, I don't trust God for those. Do you know what? I've got skills. I've got abilities. And it's me and God at that point. It's me and God working together. No, I trust God. Do you trust God alone? Or do you trust God and yourself? 
in the end, you have to ask that question. And you'll really know when the storm hits, when something comes upon your life that makes you go, oh, that's, that's kind of testing me, that's struggling. I remember when, for me personally, when my mum died, and uh, it's a few years ago now, but at the time my mum died, Pauline was pregnant with our second daughter. We've got one daughter. So I was going to grow up, and they weren't going to have their grandmother. They weren't going to know that. And she lived closest to us. And it was like, am I going to trust God in this? And I remember for a year being completely out of sorts in my head. But do you know what? When I look back, I only look back with gratitude, not with bitterness, to my mum's life. And I look back with comfort, personally, because she was, she was a Christian. And I look back with gratitude to God. I don't think to myself, it was wrong, she should never have died, it was too soon. You can go through all of those thoughts about anything. Oh, why did that happen to me? It should never have happened. God, I didn't deserve it. In the end, do you trust God? Do you really trust God? (coughs) And Christmas is one of those moments where you have to check yourself. Because the church, among other people, have created interim theologies about Christmas that make Christmas appear really great. And sometimes it just belittles or undermines the reality that it's about the word that became flesh. So we're doing Simply Christmas, and I'm sure that wasn't that simple, but I was meant to be simple. (laughs) I'm going to pray and we're going to finish. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the book of John. I thank you for the boldness and courage of that man to write what he wrote, right there up front in that book, upon which so many believers have based their understanding of who you are, Jesus. It comes from that book. Those first 18 verses tell us so much about who you are, that you're the word. And Father, I pray as we enter into this new season, every year we do Christmas and we do it everywhere and it costs around the world billions of pounds and we're going to buy presents and do stuff with people and all those great things. But Father, I pray that in all of that, we will not lose the connection to why we really do it, what we really believe about you, that we celebrate the coming of our saviour. We celebrate his, his being born into poverty, his being born into a, into a manger, in a cow shed. We celebrate that truth, that reality. And that he came as the light of the world. He came as the life. And that everything that's been made was made through him. Father, that's what we believe about Jesus. I pray that during this Christmas season we will be reminded again to ensure our faith is based upon that and we haven't shifted it because it looks so different from the world in which we live. I pray that for us today as a people and I pray that for us as individuals. In Jesus' name, amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. 
You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.